I just thank the Lord tonight for his goodness. I thank the Lord for his mercy. And um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to read a short portion of scripture that you probably know. And uh, today I was just uh, reading the word and just going through some, I was looking at some old sermons that, that I had and, and, um, and uh, you know, I said, Lord, let something leap out at me that you want me to speak tonight. And, and uh, just this thought came to my mind and so, and in my spirit as I was reading and and uh, so I'm going to preach this tonight. This message is entitled, The Iron Did Swim. The Iron Did Swim. That was a miracle that took place when that axe head fell in the water of the Jordan. Only God could perform a miracle to make that thing come back to the surface. You know, you're a miracle. You, sitting here tonight, born again, are a miracle. That you have your right mind, you're a miracle. Because there are people, I can tell you, that are sitting in here tonight at one time in their life. And maybe, maybe they're not here tonight, but they go to this church that there was a time in their life when they weren't in their right mind. They were bound by drugs. They were bound by addictions. They were bound out there in the world. Some bound by the devil. Amen. Come in the altar and just the, the devil had their mind. And, but the church began to pray and a miracle took place. But greater, or I shouldn't say greater, equally to that is your life. Amen. Just because you weren't at the depth of depravity of some other people or the bondage and addiction doesn't mean it wasn't a miracle to save you. Amen. It's a miracle. You're a miracle tonight that we're not who we used to be. Thank God. And if you think the enemy's not going to bring those old thoughts to try to, take, to drag you back to where he had you before, you're wrong we got to maintain that life in Christ or he'll drag you right back to where you were before. Amen. And seven times worse, the Bible says. I don't want to be seven times worse than I was before. And I don't even want to meet some folks if they're seven times worse that if they were anything like I've been told or known. But thank God for the miracle of salvation in our lives. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, the Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight, or too, uh, you know, uh, too many people here, too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there. Where we may dwell, and he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. Isn't it wonderful when the preacher goes with you? Amen. <laughs> so he said, He went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Uh, but as one was felling or cutting down the beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. It was not my accent. It was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand, and he took it. Let's pray. Father, bless this word tonight. I ask you, please, 
Let the word of God go forth and speak to someone tonight and we'll give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Now I'm preaching this thought tonight, just a simple thought tonight. The iron did swim and um, I'm preaching it to exhort us that we are to give our very best to God. And I'm going to get to where that's at in this message, but to give our very best unto God. You know, we come to Christ and God wants us to give our very best. He wants us to be, you know, abounding. He wants us to be advancing in the kingdom of God in our lives spiritually. If you're the same person you were, you know, 10 years ago and you've been serving God, you backslid. You need to get right with God. Amen. We need to have a constant progressing of devotion and love and maturity in our lives and not staying the same, but uh, this message is really to exhort us to give our very best unto God in everything that we have. Elisha and Elijah both were prophets and they both performed great miracles. And Elisha's miracles that we see God used him to perform seem to be more everyday practical miracles. Like he began to see the water healed. Amen. He said, they said the water is, is polluted. He said, bring me a, a new cruise with salt. And he threw it in that, that a water source and it was healed so that they could drink the water. It was a miracle that they needed to sustain life. Remember the woman that, uh, that, that owed a debt and she said I don't know what to do they're going to take my boys as slaves and I'm going to have to give them up to pay the debt because her husband had died and she said I don't know what to do and he said what do you got in your house she said all I got is a little bottle of oil he said go borrow vessels and don't borrow a few borrow as many as you can and he took that oil bottle and he began to pour into those vessels and they filled up every vessel that was in the house and they sold them to pay the debt God used Elisha to perform practical, practical miracles for everyday life. God's concerned with our everyday problems. He can deal with people in our lives that are creating havoc for us or situations and circumstances for us that He, he knows how to minister to everyday needs. There's been times... Uh, whether it's a person or a situation that I've cried out to the Lord and He's able to take care of those things. They may seem simple. They may seem insignificant. And why would God bother with that? Because He loves you and me. That's why. Uh, it wasn't that long ago I couldn't find my keys. And I just, I'm looking around and after about five minutes I said, Lord... <laughs> I said, I need you to intervene for me. I need to find my keys. Every time I've prayed for God to surface my keys, they surface. And I found those keys. I had bought some flooring and Sister Scowls and I decided we didn't want to put it down after all. But I've had it for several months. And, you know, things come in and out of style all the time. And, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 I said, Lord, the last time I went there with this flooring that wasn't um, they didn't want to take it back, and so they told me I was pretty much stuck with it. And I said, but I'm asking you to make this possible so that this will change on, on my favor. And this may seem like a small thing, but I'm asking you to do that for me. 
And uh, I got there, and, and the lady said, sure, we'll take it back. Or the man that was there said, sure, we'll take it back. And I said, but I don't have my card. It said, doesn't matter. You put your phone number in there, and we'll put it right back to the source that you paid for it with. And I said, praise the Lord. God is concerned about the little things in your life. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. He wants to minister to every situation, your jobs, your family, every circumstance, every difficulty. God knows how to change every situation, and He's concerned with our everyday needs. And though, though practical, Elisha's miracles, even though they were practical, they were powerful. God did a powerful thing because He wanted to show uh, us through the Word of God how that He can do all things. There's nothing that's insignificant and there's nothing too little or big for God to do. Amen? But even greater than these miracles that we read were the spiritual lessons that God began to bring about. The theology in the types and shadows. What is a type and shadow? Some people don't know what a type and a shadow is. When you think of the Old Testament, there were things that were a shadow of things to come. They were a type of things that were going to come to pass or a type of Christ. Like the lamb that was slain in the Old Testament. Jesus was the lamb. Amen. You would read about the oil or the water and you see it in the New Testament. It is a shadow or a type of the Holy Spirit. Okay, The dove was a type of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Bible says the dove came down and lighted upon Christ. There's all kinds of things that are symbolic types and shadows that point to Christ. It's all through the Bible. Amen. It's all through the Bible. And in these Old Testament types, reading this scripture, I always try to find the gospel whenever I go to the Old Testament and the New Testament, but we have the gospel in the New Testament. But the Old Testament, the gospel's there. Christ is there. The redemption is there. Everything is there in the Old Testament. Somebody said, what's the the greatest commentary for the Bible? I said, the greatest commentary for the Old Testament is the New, and the greatest commentary for the New Testament is the Old Testament. Read them both, and you see how God begins to bring them together. But one of the things that I saw here in type is that the axe head that was lost, the lost axe head, Axe head represents man's lost soul. The stick that was cast into the water, the Jordan, represents Christ, the branch, plunging into death and rising again. He is the branch. The Bible says there would be a root out of Jesse, the Old Testament, the branch. In Zechariah, he is the branch, the tree of life that we eat of. And the wooden cross is the means that represents God's work. That stick represents the cross. It represents Christ. It represents uh, the tree of life. It represents the branch. Anytime you see that, I'm going to give you another example. Whenever the children of Israel came out of, of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, there was no, the waters were, were, were bitter, they said. And so uh, Moses went to God and he said, We got a problem. The waters are bitter and the people have nothing to drink. And God told him, Take 
take a tree and throw it in that water. That tree represents the cross. Everything that we need is in the work of the cross and in the one that hung on it, which is Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. People say, you've oversimplified it. I want a psychological answer. I don't have one for you, but I will tell you this much. What I do have works. The cross works. The power of the work of the cross works. Amen. Jesus dying on the cross works. Salvation works. Pleading the blood of Jesus works. Amen. Everything in our redemption works in our favor and works, uh, you know, as God begins to do a work in our midst. So I read all of this and I'm like, man, this is so awesome, Lord. And just as the axe head was saved and was secured, Cured by salvation, this story blazes of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us. Can you say amen? The axe head was lost. You know, the problem in today's culture is men and women don't realize their lost soul condition. The fall of man... Adam bit into, or Eve bit into that apple, fed it to Adam. They were flung into a curse, depraved, and the fault, we call it an Adamic Adam, Adamic nature. And just like that ex head fell in the water, it seemed like there's no way to rescue it. There's no way to find it. The water's murky. It's impossible. How will you ever get to find that ex head? I lost a pair of, 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 of Oakley glasses out at Havasu. I was on a sea doo and Sister Skiles mashed on the gas and I went one way and she went the other way and my glasses, we have no idea where they went, and, but I didn't have a pair of goggles. You couldn't see to the bottom. They were lost and they're still there except somebody went and retrieved them. They have, it's been almost two years, haven't got them back yet. They're still there. They're gone. And that's how a lot of people are going to be with their soul. But for God to go down into a place which seems like it's impossible to find anything, He rescues us and reconciles us back unto Himself. Aren't you thankful, amen, that He can save the lost soul that seems like it's impossible to save? The church, I can tell you, the world... People in the world, men and women, lost in their condition, in their soul, don't realize they're lost. And you know whose fault that is? It's a church that never told them that. The church has mastered teaching God's love. But why would anybody understand God's love if they didn't understand that they're judged in their sin? We don't like to hear that. I'm going to tell you that's the flip side of Christianity and salvation. That's the other side of that coin. The church has mastered teaching God's love, but they failed on teaching that He's a just God, a God who will judge, and a God of judgment, and how lost and empty souls are without God. You cannot remove that from the equation. That's why you'll go and tell people Jesus loves them, and they're like, so what's that to me? If we believe... God created us. We are made by God's will and His design. If we believe that. We had no input in our lives. Did anybody, was anybody there, amen, whenever you were, 
you were uh, created in your mother's womb. No, none of you. I mean, you were there, but you were not there. You had no input. You had no, no authority, no part in your existence. God, even God, because he's the one that speaks and breathes life, rather, and makes us a living soul, only God was the one that was, was behind all of that. Amen? We all agree on that. If we believe God created us, amen, we're made by God's will and design. We had no input, no authority, no part in our existence. It's all God behind it. So in knowing that, also our souls, our eternity is at God's judgment. If we believe that He's the one that created us, He's also the one that made us a living soul. He's also the one that has control over where we go in eternity. Did not Jesus say, don't be afraid of the man that can take your life from you. You need to be aware and, 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 and be afraid of the man or the God which He was the God, He is the God, that can not only take your life from you, but can put your soul in heaven or hell. That's what He said. We don't hear that preached a lot, but our souls and our eternity is at God's hand and His authority. Uh, amen. So we have a responsibility tonight in reading this as we read it. The, 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 the sons of the prophets began to lose that axe head and they were responsible for their soul, okay? They're responsible. We have a responsibility. We are liable for our own soul. And remember, the axe head was borrowed. God gives us this life. And He doesn't give us this life to live for ourselves. He gives us this life to live for Him. He redeems our life so that we'll live for Him. We were bought for a price, not our own, but we belong to Jesus. Does not the Word of God say that? Know ye not, we sang it tonight, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I'm quoting the Scripture. We didn't sing the whole Scripture, but we quoted it as we were singing. Creation and recreation still is in the hands of God. God created you and I. And He caused us uh, through His Son dying on the cross and through drawing us and wooing us to be born again. Have our spirit man come alive again. Creation and recreation, we still belong to Him. It's still in God's hand. Amen. His power, His forgiveness, His redemption. Not only are we liable, but a lost axe head, our lost soul, is, li is limited because we, we, we need to fulfill God's design and purpose for its existence. Who are we to talk back to God? Amen. You hearing me? We're the, we, we, as a lost axe head, are liable. We're responsible before God. We're going to give an account for our soul one day. And we're either going to say, Lord, I accepted you and I served you. Or you know what? I did my own thing. And he's going to say, you know what? You did not receive me as your Savior. And so now you're going to stand before me. And you have to give an explanation for your sins because you didn't accept Jesus that paid his life for your sins. You did it on your own and you can't save yourself. Only coming to the Savior and putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ 
will grant you that redemption and give it to you. We must come to him. And the problem today in this world is that it's not preached that number one, God is behind our existence, our life, and he's behind our salvation. And, and, and it's, it's an atrocity. It's an affront to God to talk back to him or rebel and do our own thing. Amen? We all need to be spiritually aware. They said that axe head was borrowed, it's lost, and the only way it's ever going to be recovered is by a miracle from God. The only way anybody's going to be saved or changed is going to be a miracle of God. Amen? We, are, we all need to be spiritually aware of the reality of God, the reality of eternity, how that one day we will give an account for this life. The rich man, the Bible talks about in the book of Luke, never knew the moment his life or his soul would be required of him. You know, the man that, the rich man that built, tore down his barns and built bigger barns, never knew that his life was going to be required of him. His soul was going to be required of him. Nobody sitting in this room knows the day that you're going to take your final breath. People say, well, what about the person that commits suicide? What about the gun that doesn't go off? What about the pills that people take that don't take their life? What about the things that people do and God doesn't allow their life to be taken? Ultimately, God, God is behind the number of our days. Do you understand me? What I'm saying to you is this. The, the, the rich man never even took into accountability or never took into account that, you know what? My breath is in God's hands. My life is in God's hands. He never considered God. And, and in the parable, when Jesus was sharing that, he talked about how Lazarus came at the rich man's gate and he was, he was dying. And he said, please, he said, please let me just eat from the crumbs of your table. And he rejected him. He rejected him. But that night, they both died, and the rich man, amen, was in hell. And the Bible says that Lazarus was in, the, the, was in Abraham's bosom. Well, if we know the story about Lazarus, we know that he came back from the grave, amen? Amen. He came back, and he lived again because Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb. Four days he was there, and he began to say Lazarus and called his name, and he came alive with grave clothes on. They took them grave clothes off and there's the greatest miracle even the religious were astonished amen uh, but, but all of that being said the rich man never knew the moment that his life or soul would be required of him he never knew his bigger barns would be useless whenever he took his last breath we were never created to live for self but for God you know I shared something in a funeral service not too long ago and I said, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything in the earth. He created the dirt. He created the water. He created everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, and everything. And everything that He creates, He makes an atmosphere or created an atmosphere for what He created to sustain, be sustained in life. I'm going to give you an example. He created a tree. But if you take a tree out of the dirt it will die. It has an atmosphere. It needs to have its roots in the dirt, in the ground, in the earth, and it'll live. 
If you take a fish out of water, what does it do, Kyle? It dies. Because a fish cannot be out of water. It has to be in water. And so he created the dirt and the earth so that trees and plant life could live. He created, amen, the, the water. And he put them fish in that water. And they have an atmosphere, an environment that sustains their life. And whenever he began to create man, he turned into himself and he said, let us make man in our own image. And the atmosphere that we must be in to live and exist and be sustained as a living soul is whenever we're in the presence of God. That's the atmosphere that we must dwell in. And see, what people do is they detach themselves from God. And they say, I don't need God. I don't want God. I don't believe in God. And you know what they are? They're dead. They're dying. Number one, they're dead inside, dead internally, and they're dying every day. Death is all over them. Now, I was at uh, Home Depot today. I just want to say this. The world walks around like the living dead. This generation that has forgotten God walks around like the living dead. You know I'm telling you the truth, church. You know this young generation walk around, it's like they have no life. You know, they, 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 look, they, look, they look demonic, a lot of them. They just, you know, my, my, my street ministry team has told me, you know, we're, we're, we're crossing paths with so many people and they're so bound by the devil. They're so demon-possessed. They're so bound in all of this, uh, you know, the, the satanic and demonic activity and they're not part of the they're not a part of the occult it's just that they've totally detached themselves from god and from even normal life they're happy being 17 18 20 25 years old living under or living at the tracks or living at a place homeless they don't care about life anymore because the devil's got their mind so completely twisted it's what it is is that they're dead spiritually and everything else is dead are you hearing me it's, it's just their mind everything I, I thought about that i thought you just look at the society today and you look at the culture and you see people they're spiritually dead first but whenever they come to life in christ whenever they get born again and their life changes and Jesus comes in he brings spiritual life to them I saw a girl today at Home Depot she come up she's got candy and she's trying to raise money she's in a women's home and she said sir sir would you mind making a donation I said absolutely let me see what I got in my truck and I thought all I got nickels and dimes and a few pennies I thought I don't carry cash a lot of a lot of places, they don't even want you to pay cash anymore, you know. So I don't have a lot of cash. I said, I, I'll give you what I got. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what I got. Well, I'm thumbing through my stuff, and I found a big old bag of quarters that I had for the car wash. And I thought, well, there went my car wash, but that's all right. I'm going to see a life saved and restored and, 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 and uh, God do a, a recovery in their life. So I gave her all that, and I was talking to her. And she's talking to me. She says, you know what? I didn't ask her nothing. 
She said, I'm part of a women's home, and I used to be a drug addict for like 10 years. And she said, I, I, you know, I, was, I my, took my son down with me. You know, it's terrible what happened, but you know what? God has saved me, and I'm serving the Lord. And, and she said, I'm out here, and I got my son back, and my life is getting in order, and I'm doing great. And she said, that's what that donation is for. And I said, you don't even have to tell me all that. I already know that. I said, I can see it all over you. I said, and you know what? I want to tell you something. The Spirit of God came upon me. I said, I want to tell you something. What's your name? Julie. I said, Julie. I said, you know what? I'm, I said, I'm so proud of you that you're out here serving the Lord, living for God, that you've dedicated your life to Him, that you're, 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 you're delivered and set free. She just began to smile. She's like, man, this guy knows my language. I said, he set you free. He's delivered you. He's got your, your life on the path of restoration and recovery. And I said, I'm so proud of you that you're, that you're serving the Lord and you're being the parent, you're the mama that God called you to be. And I said, you're making something out of your life and it's because of Jesus. And she's just sitting there looking at me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you right now. And she just, man, we began to pray. Oh, man, it was beautiful. And I said, I'm a pastor down the street. She said, oh, my goodness. I said, I'm, I'm pastor down the street. But I said, we used to have a men's home. I said, I'm all, all for restoration and recovery because that's what God's about. He's a restoring God. He's a healing Jesus, a delivering God. And I said, you are a treasure out of darkness. And he's restored you. And I said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in your life. Man, I'm telling you, she was glowing. Not because of what I said, but because of what God has done in her life. And I said, you go on. You keep doing what you're doing. And, and I prayed the Lord would bless her and help her, you know, completely get her life back together in every area. And, uh, but she's living. Where she's walking. She's trying to get this guy. You know, she said, sir, would you? He just went like that. I thought, my goodness. I said, any normal person would want a drug addict off the street. Amen. But they're dead. People are dead to spiritual things. And I said all this, this to you because there is such a disrespect for God and an affront to God that people think that the axe head that they are is because of them. But it's not. It's borrowed. God gave us a borrowed life. He created it. He gave it to us. And then whenever we lost it through the fall, He restored it. So we need to be people that realize all of that because one day we're going to take our last breath and there's going to be people that rejected God, rebelled against God, and they're going to stand before Him without excuse. I don't want that to be any of you or anybody else that I talk to. All of that being said, this girl at Home Depot was more alive than anybody else on the parking lot. God saved her from being dead in her trespasses and sins because the wages of sin is death. What does the Word of God say about that? I'm just going to read a short portion of Scripture to you tonight out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. It says, Paul said, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins wherein in, the, in times past 
You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God... But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in, trust, in, in sins, and when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And He's raised up us up, rather, together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So He not only, in essence, made that axe head float to the top through a stick. He threw a stick in the water. God said, this is how we're going to redeem humanity. We're going to put the tree of life, the giver of life, Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? We're, he's, going to, he's going to die on a tree, but He's going to raise again. What looked like there's no hope for the axe head, there's no hope for the stick, God caused them to float to the top. It's a type of Christ in the gospel in the Old Testament. The lost axe head had a conversion. Elisha had a ridiculous idea. A stick? Come on. A cross? How foolish is that? But how powerful is God in the work of the cross? It prefigured Jesus going to death for us. And guess what? It worked. You're sitting here tonight because you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and the work of the cross. Amen. I'm looking around the room and I remember many of you before you came to Christ. And you don't remember me, but we were all a hot mess. Tore up from the floor up. Okay? But thank God, he said, I can see what nobody else can see. And I'm going to rescue them. Amen. I'm going to rescue them. Aren't you thankful that you're the apple of God's eye? And that he loved you so much that he went to great lengths. And he looked beyond our faults and he saw our need. Our desperate, desperate need. God chooses base and foolish things to do His work. When the blind man needed his eyes open, Jesus started getting a ball of spit and He spit it on the ground. And then He made mud out of it and He put it in a man's eyes and He said, now go wash. How foolish is that? Well, the man that got healed of blindness didn't think it was foolish. Amen. What I think is so awesome is that, remember, he put that mud in his eyes. First of all, let me go back to a, a, a great type from the New Testament to the Old Testament. When Jesus spit, the very Savior, the very Redeemer, the very one that was God's means of a remedy, spit on the curse. Because did not he say that the earth was cursed? He said, Adam is going to toil from a cursed ground. It's cursed. But he spit on the curse. And where did we come from? The dust of the earth. Amen. We were formed. God formed from the dust of the earth, breathed into Adam and made him a living soul. 
So Jesus said there's a curse of blindness. He spit on that, which is, is in essence a sign of contempt, a rebuking of it. He spit on that made mud and put it in his eyes. And we'll go even further than that. He said, well, he's just going to take a little bit more dirt to make some new eyeballs. Amen. And then he told him, he said, I want you to go down and wash. Go down to, well, how can I go down and wash? I don't even know where to wash yet. He said, you got to go down there. Amen. So he's, he's, he's saying, where, which way is the, is the pool to wash? And they're telling him, just keep going straight. Just keep going straight. He's just walking down there. Can you imagine if he said, you know what? This is, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look like a fool going down. He said, I believe in faith. Amen. What seems so dumb and so stupid. I believe in faith and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust and I'm going to believe God. You and I have to put our faith and trust in God who can perform the impossible. <laughs> what is your need tonight? What is it that you need God to do in your life? You've got to trust Him. Amen. You've got to trust Him. You've got to put your faith and trust in His Word. i got an enemy that I want... You know, I, I need God to deal with. What, what is God's remedy for that? Love Him. What? Hey, let me tell you something. Did God not know everything? Does Jesus not know everything? And He knelt down and He washed Judas's feet. He said, watch this. This is how Jesus acts. This is how we're supposed to love. Even the people that we know don't really love us back down deep inside. The right opportunity, uh, he's going to betray me. I'm still going to love him. Amen. The axe head swam. That's a miracle. That a heavy weight like that would swim and surface. Anybody ever seen that happen before? Nope. Amen. People look at people's lives and they go, there's no hope for them. They're too bad. Amen. He's, I'm, I'm telling you, he can save this person. I see God getting hold of that person, but that, oh my gosh. There's, I, I don't think the Lord could ever do anything with his life. You'd be surprised what God can do. There's nobody he can't get a hold of. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The axe head swam and had renewed, restored life and usefulness. It had a second chance. Aren't you thankful for second chances? Aren't you thankful for second chances? What are you doing with your restored life? So we already understand everything that I've preached so far. That axe head that is a type of our soul, God restored and surfaced. They got that axe head back and I can tell you that changed everything. The number one thing is that you're going to be very careful what you do with that axe head. Amen? You'll be real careful before you go back and put yourself in a position where you can be lost. And just, what are you doing with your restored self? God doesn't save us to make us to be better sinners. He saves us out of a life of sin to live for Him and live a righteous and a holy life. You know, it's not religion, it's relationship. I keep telling people that it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. He saves us to walk in newness of life. He saves us to walk in newness of purpose or of original purpose was to worship God.
That's why he created us. We, like the ex said, have a task. We have a ministry. Everybody has a ministry. You may not have a pulpit ministry, but everybody has a ministry. We're all supposed to talk to people about God. We're supposed to share with them our lives, our testimony, what God has done. Amen? So many are worried about the will of God for ministry. Every place you plant your feet is a place God gains ground. Too many people are, they've spent years praying for the, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, some people are going to like what I'm going to say, some people are not going to like what I'm going to say. Too many people spend years waiting for God to give them confirmation and guess what, nothing's done. Is it the will of God for me to talk to that person on my job? Yes! Well, I'm just waiting for the perfect time. And five years passes by and you never do it. Is it the will of God for me to, to, to go out on the street ministry? Yes! Is it whatever you do, amen, you do and you're gaining ground for the kingdom of God. You're doing nothing as you sit there spinning your wheels waiting for something to happen. You've got to just act. Some people say, oh, you shouldn't say that to people. Well, it's like my old stepdad said, do something even if it's wrong. I don't want you to do something that's wrong and sinful, but do something even if you don't think that it's exactly what you're supposed to do. At least you're doing something. Are y'all hearing me? I see too many people that are like, I said, you've been saying that for five years. I'm praying for the will of God. Uh, you, there's some things you don't necessarily have to pray about. You just need to do it. Amen. I didn't have to pray about going to the street ministry. I did it. I have to pray about going to the prisons. I did it. I have to pray about singing on the platform. I did it. Every time they had something, I did it. Amen. When there was a vacancy in the youth position at Living Waters, they asked me, you want to be the youth leader? I said, Yes. It's just one more opportunity for me to be able to speak life into somebody. I don't have to pray about it, think about it. God opened the door. Amen. Wherever God opens the door, I'm going to walk through it. And I'm going to put my feet down and every place I place my foot is ground that God has gained through my life. And what I've done with what he's done in me. We trouble ourselves over specific confirmation concerning God's will. And we end up doing nothing. If you're, People say, well, I don't want to be off course. The apostle Paul started to go in the direction of Asia. And God stopped him and said, don't need you to go to Asia, Paul. But there's a vision of the man from Macedonia. There's a call for you to go there to preach and take him the gospel. There have been times I thought, you know what? This is where I'm going to go. And God said, no, I want you to do this. It wasn't that that I was, the direction I was going. God took me in a different direction. But in my movement, in my upward mobility, in my movement, God directed me exactly where he wanted me to go. Amen. I, 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 I think that we have a harder time in the church not dealing with overzealous people, but underzealous people. Thank you all. The axe head had a task.
Give God all of your newfound possibilities and opportunities, your efforts, your energies, your passions, your sharpness. Why? Because you owe it all to him. Can you imagine if they took that axe head out of the water? and They said, ooh, we're going to make a plaque and put that axe head on that plaque. And we're going to go by, and every time we go by, we're going to go, ooh. That excite me, the miracle God did. No. He said, put that thing to use. I didn't save you to, 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 to sit and just look pretty. Brother Talbert said it best. I've used it and I've quoted it. He said, there's too much polishing of the armor of God in the house of God and not enough using it. A lot of preaching goes on about polishing the armor of God when it needs to be put into application and use. Put the armor on to use it. I mean, every once in a while, yeah, we need to be shined up. We need to be preached to. You need to be righteous. You need to be holy. You need to put that whole armor on, but it's on so it can be used to fight the good fight of faith in a warfare that we all fight every day against the devil. The axe head is not supposed to be made an icon or a monument. It is your life. It's a miracle of what God did in your life. So get up and do something. Do you know, <laughs> it has a task. I'm going to read it again. It's my last page of notes. It's going to take me a few minutes. But give God all of your newfound possibilities Newfound opportunities that you didn't have because unless God raised you up out of that water. Efforts, energies, passions, sharpness. Amen. We all were dull before we came to Christ. But now that we've come to Christ, there's something changed in His sharpness and we owe everything to Him. What a testimony the axe head now had. Jesus saved me. The branch went to the depths of sacrificial hell to save me. And I owe my everythings to Him. When I say sacrificial, I want to clarify that. Jesus took my hell. When He hung on the cross, He took my judgment. He took my punishment. He took everything for me and you. And one of the messages I preached some time ago was Jesus said, I thirst. The thirst of the flesh and the desire that is not of God or not God, he took for you and I. So that we could be free from that. So don't tell me, you know, I'm, I, I've got something that I just can't seem to overcome. I've always been, you know, a pervert and I'm going to be that for the rest of my life. No, Jesus can deliver you. We shake our head, but people are like, well, you know, that's just something in me, Pastor. That's just the way I am. No, God can change you. He didn't die on a cross to save you for you to go back and live in such nonsense and foolishness and sin. He saved you to deliver you from that. I always ask people, you're saved? What are you saved from? The woman at the well knew what she was saved from. Amen. Well, Jesus saves us, went to the depths, and took our punishment to save us. We owe our everythings to Him. It's His testimony of life and recovery in me. The demoniac of Gadara came to Jesus. I'm closing with this scripture. Remember when Jesus went up 
to the Gadarenes. And he began to come upon that shore. And the demon and the tombs right there by where he come up in Gadara began to run to him. And he had a legion of demons in him, over 2,000 devils in him. Jesus set him free. That, that them demons cried out and he said, go into the pigs. And the swine went down the hill and drowned themselves in the water. Even the pigs didn't want the devils in them. But people walk around. I'm telling you, that a preach right there. People walk around in this life and they're okay with a rotten, wicked, demonic devil living in them. I said even a pig, an unclean animal, wouldn't, didn't want a demon in them. Some people don't have the sense. Uh, pigs have more sense than some people. Oh, pastor, that's horrible. That's Bible. I didn't write it. I'm just repeating it. But I, I believe it. But listen, after Jesus set that man free, delivered him, all them devils come out of him. He didn't even have no clothes on when Jesus found him. But he had clothes on. He was sitting right there in his right mind, the Bible says, sitting there in front of Jesus. And the people of the city came out and they were like, is that the same guy? That's the same guy. They're looking at him and they're like, they were like, and our pigs are gone now? I said, you cared more about those pigs than you did that man's life who cut himself, bled, had no clothes on, chased everybody around. They couldn't even bind him with chains. He'd break them loose. This man sitting here saved, clean, his right mind. He's delivered and he's sitting there by Jesus. Jesus goes to get on that boat and here he is right behind him. And he said, no. He said, you stay here. And this is exactly what he said. Matthew 5. Mark 5, rather. I'm sorry. He said, Jesus suffered him not to come with him, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, the, the man that was delivered, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. If there's one thing that needs to come back to the church, and to people that say that their Christians are proclaim and profess Christianity is the marvel in your life of God. You saved that guy? You delivered that guy? Yes. He is a totally different person. He ain't the same. He was a soul that was like that axe head went down, but Jesus saved him. He's a miracle. All them folks looked at that axe head and they said, this has to be God. Church, what are we living for? Let God so stir your heart and for the things that he's done for you, tell him, Lord, I owe you my everything, my life, everything. I'm going to live for you. The Lord wants to save and touch this generation and he's not done. He's not done yet. There's a world out there, a 
culture that's dead in trespasses and sins. And the only hope is a gospel message to them. It'll change their life. Change their life. Set the homosexual free. Set the drug addict free. It'll set anybody. It'll touch people's mind. It'll touch their life. It'll change them. It'll deliver them. Set the alcoholic free. Set the drug addict free. Amen. Set the liar free. Set the cheater free. Amen. God knows how to deliver and set the captive free. Amen. There's nothing he cannot do. Do you believe it tonight? Let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for the word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. And Lord, tonight, if there's somebody here, and they're not where they need to be before we leave, God, if they want to come, I pray that you draw them. And I make the invitation in this prayer, Lord, tonight. Lord, and, and, and if they're here tonight, Lord, I pray that you deal with their heart. It's me, Pastor, that you're talking to. God's talking to me. Oh, tonight, Lord, I pray, draw by your spirit, minister by your power and your anointing. Lord, we were that soul that fell in that abyss. But God, you redeemed us, every one of us. I'm so grateful for your rescue and your recovery. I'm so grateful, Lord, you are faithful. And I give you all the honor and the glory and the praise tonight. We thank you as a church. We thank you as a body. And Lord, I pray for our loved ones and people that are out there in the world that are not right with you, that you would draw them by your spirit unto yourself. God, that you would get a hold of their hearts and their lives. Draw them, Father. And I thank you tonight for everyone that's here, Lord. Maybe even if there's somebody, God, that's, that's, that hasn't made that step of faith, God, to submit and surrender their lives unto you and come to you, I pray that you'll begin that work in their heart, breaking up, Lord, the hardness of the heart and breaking up the fallow ground, Lord, and begin to let that seed sink down. Let tonight be the beginning stages of salvation in their life and restoration and healing in their lives and their family. And I pray for that tonight in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to cover us in your blood as we go tonight. We thank you and we ask it in your name, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you, church, tonight. God bless you as you go. Shake hands and be friendly. We'll see you Sunday morning, Mother's Day.